0: May I have your attention please? The following program may contain material some listeners might find offensive. In fact, in this current age of political correctness and hypersensitivity, we can pretty much guarantee it. So, if there is even the slightest chance you think you might be offended, please do us all a favor and switch to the elevator music station and leave us the hell alone so we can get back to having some real fun. Thank you. And now, live from the TSC Towers, it's the UK's number one pro wrestling radio show, The Squared Circle, with Lee Tyres and Andy Evans. Hey, this is Kim James. This is Ronald from TNA Wrestling. Hey, everybody, this is Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Cole from Friday Night SmackDown. Hey, this is Chris Jericho, the Ayatollah of Rock. And this is the Hardcore Legend, Mick Foley. This is WWE's hottest diva, Hannah Cassell. This is the Phenomenal One, AJ South. This is Sonny, the original diva of the WWE. It's time to step into the Squared Circle and get it done. This is the Legend Killer, Randy Orton. You're listening to the Squared Circle.
1: Welcome everybody to the Squared Circle Podcast, the UK's number one pro wrestling podcast radio show it's not a radio show anymore is it it's a podcast Andy Evans here joined (laughs) as always these days it seems like my by my legendary tag team partner it's Lee Tyers how you doing big man I'm doing okay
2: legendary but a cold can still take me down so my voice is still a bit all over the place at the moment Um, but yeah you know I always get one exactly the same time every year this is the one so I'm on the end of it and then it's full stop to Christmas
1: I was about to say, I do remember every year you used to get a cold around this sort of time. And then it would yes. be, how are we going to do the show? Is it <laughs> going to be that I talk more or were you going to talk more? But ended up being I talk more anyway. So it was.
2: It's fine. all good. I'm here. I can still talk. If everyone else can put up with my voice, I'm all right with it.
1: We're <laughs> fine. We can live with it. Coming up this week on the Squared Circle. Um, it's a bit of a big one. Because as we are recording this on Monday, the 27th of November breaking the fourth wall at five to seven. My iPad to the right of me has got the live sentencing of Tammy Sitch. So we'll be breaking that as we go. But also we are 48 hours removed from quite possibly the most controversial Survivor Series in history. So we're going to be touching on Survivor Series 2023. I think in all fairness, there's only one thing we're going to be touching on in terms of Survivor Series. Uh, We'll get your reaction on that. We're going to be talking AEW Continental Classic. Going to get your take on what you think of this tournament plus gonna get you to give a prediction of who you think is gonna win the whole thing uh last time you were on lee we talked about the top 10 survivor series matches in history we're gonna do that um unfortunately lee's had no input into this so this is not my opinion so this will be (laughs) intriguing to see what he does and we got this week in wrestling history um so it's a bit of a big show and hopefully you guys are not going to notice any difference because i'm in yorkshire at the moment sat in a travel lodge <laughs> no expenses spared by my company um in a travel lodge doing this over their internet so
2: well, you know it, it's it's fine it's fine you know a, a, a days gone by you couldn't get a hotel internet connection that would sustain a zoom stream they, they just weren't good enough so let's just be glad that an internet connection in a hotel room will be able to carry the show
1: Absolutely, I've got to try and <laughs> upload it. Yeah, that's going to be the fun bit. You know, there we go. Right, if you want to get in contact with us on the show, how do you do it, um, Lee? You've got the show plan. How can people get in contact with us here at TSC?
2: In multiple different ways, of course. All the social media links: uh, Facebook, X or Twitter, if you still want to call it that, Instagram, and on YouTube. It's TSC Wrestling Pod, and uh, make sure you use the hashtag TSC Pod if you want to interact on social media as well.
1: Amazing. There we go. Uh, big question coming out. All in. Last time you were on, we talked about the fact the pre-sale was going to happen today. Yeah. Um, have you, are you, or have you, or have you is not the right word. Are you all in for 2024 on the pre-sale?
2: I haven't got my tickets yet. Um, I know they. Th- there was a pre-sale code that was valid for today that um, you could buy the tickets from. I saw something like 8,000 people in a queue <laughs> in front of people. I'm not doing that. Um Again, I'm going off the basis that it's, um, you know, we managed to get tickets, you know, much, much closer to the time. I'm probably going to wait till after Christmas now. Yep. Um, you know, finances and, you know, Andy, we've got families and things, um, you know, kids come first, get all that sorted. Let's get into January and then we'll have a look at tickets then, I think um interesting enough on that topic before we move away from all in they've released the floor plan yes and it's a bit more of a traditional setup this time almost sort of a wwe style uh with one of the sort of long ends of the stadium uh sort of uh, taped off and um and that's where the stage is going to be rather than kind of on the side like they had it last time so a little bit more traditional which i think will be nice
1: do you know the reason for that go for it taylor swift Seriously, your face is a picture. For those who are listening on the audio podcast, Lee's face is like, what the hell are you <laughs> talking about? Taylor Swift is performing at Wembley directly before. So right. Tony Khan made a deal with Swiss management that they would change the setup to accommodate Taylor Swift.
2: Wow. I know. So essentially, whatever stage uh, Taylor Swift has, they're going to keep their rapp- bone okay. there and. Build on top of
1: it. Pretty much replicate. Which is gonna wow. be interesting to see what they do because there was a lot of wasted space. Oh, absolutely. At Wembley yeah. Stadium.
2: Yeah.
1: That floor yeah. area, but we'll see. Tickets are starting from what we know at twenty nine pounds, I think, which is a couple of pound more than what they were in twenty twenty what this year. I was gonna say yeah. twenty twenty-three, but we <laughs> are in twenty twenty-three. Um, and go right the way up to three thousand five hundred and seventy-six pounds.
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, who knows who's going to be there? I mean, obviously, Will Ospreay, I think, is going to be uh, one of the the big names. Uh, he's going to be well up the cards. You can probably tell. Um, one person that isn't there, we know, is someone who's just signed a new <laughs> WWE contract, and we'll get onto that later when we talk about Survivor Series.
1: Oh, great. Yeah, <laughs> love it. All right, let's do it. Let's crack on with Survivor Series 2023. So it went down this past Saturday uh, on the WWE Network. Lee... Survivor Series quite honestly is a weird bag of a pay-per-view isn't it because for years it had an identity of being about the five-on-five the elimination matches the the tag team elimination then in 1991 it kind of went a bit awry having The Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan then in 1992 was really the beginning of the end of Survivor Series because it never was quite the same again 93 94 had elimination matches 95 had the wild card but really from 96 97 onwards it kind of lost its identity up until 2022 with war games
2: yeah it's it's an interesting one i mean i loved the fact that survivor series uh back in the day like the royal rumble was completely different it was all uh, you know, teams of four or teams of five, um, you know, at, at several points were going against each other. And that was all you had. There were no singles matches. There were nothing else. Um, I get why they don't do it now. Um, because again, with, as Vince said, sort of famously back in the day, there's, there's lots more shades of grey now rather than the good guys and the bad guys. You know, you're not going to get, unless it's a stable like judgment day or whatever you're never going to get four guys um or five guys potentially that all like each other against five other guys who all hate each other and and, and then multiple uh. ones of those matches they've all there's all going to be in and that sort of stuff they all you know if you think about the you know the ufc you know there's no good guys and bad guys they're all just characters and they're all fighting each other yes we have heels and faces but you don't you know there's a lot less um, of a divide now, so having those teams against each other is is a lot more difficult. But it's a shame, um, you know. But it was one of those standout pay per views back in the day that that was, um, you know, it was always a lot of fun. I mean, for the competition side of it, for championships and and that sort of thing, it was nice almost to have a little rest for that for a couple of months. And you've got the teams going against each other before you then ramp it up, Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, and you know yeah. the, the, the big cards.
1: It was kind of like the unofficial kickoff on the road to WrestleMania, wasn't it? Because it was the end of one set of, of feuds, kind of beginning that build up to to mania of whatever year. But War Games last year came back. We weren't sure if it was going to carry on this year. How does it feel? I mean, you're a WCW fan, right? Yeah, you're, you're a wrestling historian. You're a, you're a classic man, just like I am. The old schools, the old school bits so much better than modern day pro wrestling war game is really a staple of full brawl for wcw if you think you know full brawl 93 which was the horseman and 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 all that type of thing is it different now being wwe is it you know too much to kind of steal and recycle an old wcw idea could they do something different with it um
2: well a couple of ways you can look at it number one as we know, I mean, this speaks volumes. It was somewhere, something that Vince would never really want to do. He never wanted to steal things, <clears throat> excuse me, from WCW, any of their old concepts. Um, you know, people were, were crying out for war games for years. Yes. Um, but then the more of the Triple H era came in and we saw, hey, guess what? Halloween Havoc. We've had the Great American Bash. I mean, that was around a little bit before. Uh, you know, war games is now a thing. Um, I think they they needed to make it a bit more of a, an iconic standalone thing. I mean, you know, here you had, um, you know, it was the, the men's war games, obviously five on five, women's four on four. It felt weird putting it on Survivor Series because it just, to uninitiated WWE fans would just think, oh, it's just Survivor Series matches. Yeah. They're just doing it in a cage with a couple of rings. That's all it is. There's nothing nothing different about it. You know, having it as, I don't know, NXT TakeOver, whatever, and then um, have a war games match as part of that, that would be great. But I think just dotting it in on the Survivor Series was was a bit weird. It just felt like WWE are doing Survivor Series matches, but they just wanted to throw this extra spin on
1: it. It's like they ran out of steam, wouldn't it? You know, we can't, like you said, we can't go back to the traditional five on five because of the way we're booking it now and the way the era of pro wrestling is with the face heel divide completely thrown out the window. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is Survivor Series 37. We're wow. only a few years away. From the 40th anniversary of Survivor Series. If you think about Mania 40 next year, if you think about the Royal Rumble is going to be 40 in about five years' time, SummerSlam is going to be 40 in five years' time.
0: Yeah.
1: Scary that. Has it got to the point, and we're going way off subject, but you know, has it got to the point that now some of these old school pay per views Mm -hmm. need to be rested? Are they just bringing them out? for the sake of saying the November pay-per-view is going to be called Survivor Series.
2: I get what you mean. Um, again, as, as we've said a couple of times already, the, the pay-per-views used to have an identity. Yeah, Royal Rumble had its sort of purple and gold colors and SummerSlam used to be the orange and yellow. And, um, you know, they all, all sort of had specific branding. Now it, it kind of seems like it doesn't really matter what the pay-per-view is called. It's got a generic logo. There's no, sort of theming or ambience to the event what i always loved about SummerSlam in particular was um you know everything was sort of orange and blue and and it it had a real summer feel to it whereas now it it just feels like another show i don't know whether or not that's a conscious choice and maybe again triple h era he likes some of the classic stuff maybe we see uh the pay-per-views having a bit more of an identity um i can understand some of the ones sort of in between the you know the the, the ones that have in, evolved from the in your house kind of fill in pay-per-views yeah um you know have a proper identity for royal rumble have it always look a certain way have specific ring ropes or i don't know just a, a look to the ring so you know it's a royal rumble as soon as you see a screenshot of it same with mania summer slam survivor series um but yeah it, it just doesn't feel quite right Um, again you know with the the link to the UFC now are we going to get to the point where we instead of having you know UFC 263 maybe we have WWE 642 it's Rollins versus Rhodes or (laughs) you know something like that make it make it feel again Triple H loves UFC maybe they try and give it that more legit feel maybe we don't have these catchy pay-per-view names anymore who knows I think we're we're in an era of change and um, not a lot would surprise me with that right now
1: WWE (laughs) octagon warfare battle of the octagon (laughs) special guest referee dana white um i I think you've raised some really really interesting points and it was interesting in the press conference did you i don't know did you watch the press conference
2: i've seen bits of it yeah so the the important bits
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) we'll get to that in a minute the bit when triple h turned around and said in 2024 calendar six of the pay-per-views that are going to be running are international wow you wouldn't have got that 18 months ago no pre TKO takeover
2: no um i mean i don't know if we know exactly what they are now but obviously there's i know they're doing the one in berlin so Um, you've got um, a couple of saudis in there haven't we
1: you've got a couple of saudis in there you've got elimination chamber in february that's going to be in perth australia that's going to be the first mainstream perth one you've got the bash in berlin which obviously is taking place in Berlin. Um, There's one taking place in France, which I can't remember what that is, but that's the debut for them to have a pay-per-view. And you've got to imagine we're going to get one over here, especially after the success of Clash, Money in the Bank, and All In, in, yeah. You've got to think we're going to get another one. But which one are we going to get? Because there's an argument to state WrestleMania. John Cena laid the foundation for that at... MITB, um, can't see it happening myself. Could it be Summerslam?
2: That would be good to have Summerslam again. Um, you know, we we've said it a few times over the you know the last uh, weeks and months about what a, a missed opportunity it was not to have uh, 2022 Summerslam in Wembley Stadium and uh, kind of preempt AEW's announcement of bringing it to Wembley. I think AEW's announcement and uh, and and put it in Wembley is, it was almost a direct response to WWE not. Yeah. you know, uh, honoring the uh, the anniversary of, of SummerSlam. But uh, again, I mean, it's clever that they're doing it that way. Obviously, there's a huge market in Europe um, and the rest of the world, you know, Saudi, Australia, uh, places like that. They've got really big WWE markets that don't regularly get wrestling. Number one, it's going to fulfill, um, you know, their needs. All the fans are going to absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Plus, when American fans start to realize well, we haven't got the option of going to 12 WWE pay per views this year. We're down to, you know, six or whatever. They are then going to maybe feel, and again, apologies to the American fans, but, you know, for guys like me and Andy, who used to, or oh, well, still do have to stay up till, you know, four o'clock in the morning to watch, uh, you know, WrestleMania or a big pay per view if you want to do that. Um, You guys are are so spoiled. You've you've got this wrestling on tap in your own time zone. And, you know, I would have thought there's going to be a pay-per-view near to you within a couple of years. Uh, You know, it's going to be near your town. You can get to it. So it might make you, from their perspective, uh, the Americans are going to work a little bit harder to get to those pay-per-views rather than just thinking, oh, they'll be they'll be down the road in a couple more months. So I'm just going to sit on my my back and watch it at home.
1: You would think it's got to improve live gates, wouldn't it? For You'd think for, so. for WWE, who both WWE and AEW, you now AEW gets slated. It feels like almost every week you see a screenshot of Dynamite or Collision or Rampage where there's a lot tapered off. But actually, if you look at some of the pictures for Raw recently over the last few months it's been exactly the same now part of that must be due to the cost of living crisis everybody is feeling it with the war in ukraine uh you know i thought i'm not going to go down politics route but if you talk to rishi sunak it's all because of the war in ukraine damn you Putin! (laughs) but that cost of living crisis the pandemic he's playing a part on everybody at the moment so you're not going to want to spend your disposable income on going to a live event in terms of a raw but the pay-per-views are different and they will sell out the minute they come over here or they go to australia or they go to france like you said or india they did the super super showdown a few weeks ago yeah yeah but it'll be interesting we have gone way off tangent (laughs) uh one person who is going to impact buy rates for pay-per-views going forward well actually they don't don't need to worry about pay-per-view buy rates anymore because it's all on the network uh is a returning superstar our truth is back ladies and gentlemen (laughs) Survivor Series went down this past Saturday. We are not going to play by play, blow by blow, analyze it. It's been two days now. That's not what we're here to do. But let's give you the results of the Survivor Series. And Lee, Um, any general feelings you've got coming out of it? Um, So Dragon Lee versus Santos Escobar. Was Santos Escobar going over this continuation of the heel turn? Yep. Which has been done incredibly well since taking Rey Mysterio out. Um, and really setting the field for him to move on. What was your take on this one? Um,
2: Again, it's, if you looked at uh, these guys 12 months ago, um, completely different story, you know, it's, again, you, you look at the very top of the card, which we'll get to, and it's the same old names, the same big names, even returning names are the big names that have been there for years and years or have come back after years and years. But this match for me, it kind of, It gives me confidence that Triple H has still got a a very firm foothold in building stars for the future, people that we wouldn't have necessarily seen taken seriously under the Vince McMahon era, you know, Triple H is, is building stars. And, and again, uh, the the long-term storyline, just little tweaks each mm. week in characters, which we saw, in, you know, with the Bloodline storyline, uh, you know, it, that's obviously worked hugely. And it, it just goes to show they're starting to incorporate uh, different paced storylines at different levels of the card. So, you know, it's not just, wow, this guy kicks off at this guy at the Royal Rumble. They'll decide at WrestleMania who's the best. You know, that uh, some storylines are going to last six months, some a year, some will last three weeks. and you know it's it's always been there but i think they're they're starting to make it a bit more delicate now with how they let them unfold so yeah it was was really good uh, positive future for both these guys i think
1: i think it's the interesting thing like you said about the triple h booking is the fact that it is this old school mentality isn't it of we don't need four weeks to tell a story we we could do it on the slow burn we could you know we We technically haven't finished Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio. I don't care what anybody says. We've not finished that yet. It's still father-son. There's still going to be an altercation there. Um, But it's interesting to see what he's doing with the booking. Um, Just to kind of say, we're not doing these in order. All right. We're going to keep the two big main events to to the end. Intercontinental Championship on the line next. As the longest reigning IC champion in history, Gunther defended and retained against The Miz. You know... This is an interesting one because the Miz has been around for donkey's years. Yeah. And could be viewed as being a comedic act that hasn't got any relevance but actually you put him in a position like this and you are guaranteed to get a workhorse and the who thought we would have said that back in 2004 when he made his debut on Tough Enough. On exactly. Smackdown.
2: And in recent years it it seemed like he was almost just going to be a character rather than an actual wrestler. Um, you know, he's he's so versatile uh in that role. You could have him just doing uh, you know, Ms. TV. He could be uh, you know, have a segment like that, and you wouldn't even realize the guy was a wrestler because he's so natural in the interviewing yeah. and the you know the persona is so good. Um, but you put him in a match like this, and he absolutely shone, even after all these years being in WWE and where he's come from. Um, all I kept thinking about was Rocky Four, and that's what you know, the, the the big Russian against um, Miz, who technically he's a cocky bad guy, uh, but you know, just trying his heart out to beat the massive Gunther and, you know, just when there's a little bit of hope, he gets knocked back down again and, and you know, a, again, a really great story. I think you could all see that uh, that's the way it was going to play out. But it was really, really uh, well told. And um, yeah, the Miz came out looking really, really good, even though he lost.
1: Yeah, he looked like a five-star character, didn't he? He looked yeah. like an absolute... If he's not already, I think Gunther said it in the, in the press conference, he is a future Hall of Famer. But Definitely. what next for Gunther? Because longest-reigning Intercontinental Champion, he has really been through everybody now in the mid-card. There's a lot of people saying you need to be challenging either Seth Rollins for the world title or even Roman Reigns for the for the WWE title. Is he there yet? And or does he need longer? But really is it now hurting him being IC champion?
2: I think he I don't think he's quite there yet. I think another six months to a year and he'll be proper ready main event quality talent. Um two sort of aspects to that. Number one, if you get him to throw the intercontinental championship in in the bin and and it goes after roman reigns they're not ready to take the title off of roman reigns yet and when they do it's not going to be to gunther it's going to be to cody um or now potentially randy orton or someone else who we haven't talked about yet who's just made a return um but you know who do you keep putting gunther against you know he's he's such an intimidating figure and so dominant who can you throw in there to make or to make it look like a believable fight. I mean, that they did their best with the Miz, but you can't have that sort of match every single time. Um, there's no one really that big or or dominant left anymore. That you know, WWE is a lot of smaller guys, you know, The Undertaker's gone, Big Show's gone, Kane's gone, um, you know, all of these big sort of powerhouse guys. Um, aren't really there anymore. So it's going to have to take a a really good story to get the Intercontinental Championship off of Gunther. Uh, And then I I only see at that point when he finally does lose the title to whoever, he's maybe then going to step up and start looking at the main event picture with uh, with the title.
1: What about someone like Bron Breaker from NXT calling him up or uh, Von Wagner?
2: That would be good. I mean, maybe that's something they'll set up in the Rumble, you know, uh, sling some NXT guys in there randomly. And uh, there's a a face to face in the ring and Gunther accidentally gets or accidentally, uh, you know, uh, just gets thrown out uh, completely unexpectedly by one of these guys. And that sets up a mania match for the Intercontinental title. That's that could happen.
1: I mean, it's been really has been Gunther's year, hasn't it? If you think about it, because of the fact that, you know, if you talk about the Rumble of 2023, I think he was number two. Or one of the early entries, he was anyway, at the and beginning, yeah, he was at the beginning, and it was him and Cody Rhodes at the end of it, and then you had that chop fest, yeah, at one point, I mean, such brutal moves by Gunther and by Cody, and then that he's he's kind of carried that momentum on throughout the year, personally, I don't think he needs Imperium, I think he's ready no. to go out on his own and 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 be Gunther, I know a lot of people kind of took the poo over the name change from Walter to. to to Gunther I don't really care about that because I think the name actually fits him better than Walter yeah yeah Walter's an old man
2: yeah exactly exactly yeah Gunther certainly works uh and I think really even if you were the biggest progress fan or or whoever you know people know him as Gunther now rather than Walter uh he's developed his own angle on that character as Gunther that he he wasn't as as Walter so uh yeah um yeah the, the name works I, I don't know, it's, it's a difficult one. I bet there's a few people scratching their heads on, on what to do with such a surefire, you know, he, he's an absolutely can't miss talent, but there's so much other talent at the top now that you've already got stories going on with. What you know. What do you do with him? Archer. Yeah,
1: maybe. <laughs> or Lesnar, Brock Lesnar. Oh, God. is he still, is he re-signed?
2: I don't know, but, you know, it's mainly a time, isn't it? He's going to come back at back. some point.
1: Goldberg, retirement. Wow. No, not going (laughs) to happen. Women's World Championship up next. Rhea Ripley defending and retained against Zoe Starks. I mean, there's nothing you can really say about this match, is there? I mean, Rhea Ripley is, without doubt, the future of the women's division. She has got it.
2: Yeah. And again, when she she first started um, and, and sort of moved up... I didn't really see it you know people with australian accents didn't really have the best of luck in uh, wwe you know uh, there was the um oh god who are they now the the, tag the team, female tag team yeah 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 the iconics, the iconics that was it um you know but because they had and it, it, they were treated the same people like people with british accents used to have you know just because they're australian or just because they're british that's their gimmick mm. uh but rhea ripley's come up and um you know triple h has really taken rhea ripley under our w- under his wing and uh, and formed her into this amazing character, and you know her and Dominic, the the, the chemistry there is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's only helped her character and helped his character. Uh-huh. Um, and she is, is right up there. Uh, you know, she, she works amazingly as a, as a heel, uh, at some point there will be a face turn and she's going to be one of the biggest stars, um, or, you know, fan supported people in, in the company, I would think. See,
1: I don't know if a face turn is going to work for her because, you know, she did the face run before, I think it's been just over a year now since she turned heel to join the judgment day when Adam Copeland was in WWE and then very quickly got, excommunicated out of there she's to me she's very much like a brock lesnar or a roman reigns where you just want to hate this woman you know she's got it as a heel and sometimes that doesn't transcend over into being a face you know it's a very dark brutish sort of gothic look that she's got that you know unless you start putting her in pink roses and calling in natalia (laughs) don't know how it will go over but she's come out of nowhere she's had a bad she had a bad start after winning the after winning the world title at wrestlemania yeah but now she's beginning to pick up steam and like you said dominic the judgment day that has elevated her to the next level because she reminds me of an old school manager at ringside
2: yeah absolutely but could you imagine an angle where something's happened and uh, she accidentally gets pinned by someone and, and the judgment day didn't help her. And all of a yeah. sudden she turns around, makes eye contact with the rest of the judgment day and takes them out in the ring one by one destroys them. Can you imagine the pop?
1: That would, that would make her the biggest face. I yes. totally agree with you on that, on that. Absolutely. So Starks, Yes. Thoughts on Zoe Starks because NXT didn't really get the biggest amount of respect yeah. Um Main roster never really thought she was that good. She was always the Trish Stratus lackey. Yeah, where is she now? Is she worthy of being main roster or should she really go back to NXT and allow Nikita Lyons to come up?
2: I think she is, um, she deserves, she deserves to be in uh, on the main roster, but immediately there in a, a women's world championship match, I think, was a little bit premature. I think she needed to find her space on the main roster yeah. and, and develop her character a little bit more for people. Cause, you know, you see the match, Rhea Ripley versus Zoe Sight. Is Was there any doubt? I mean, similar to the Gunther match, was there any doubt that Rhea Ripley was not going to walk out there with their championship? Absolutely not.
1: And that's um, the problem these days, isn't it? Because that suspension of disbelief is completely gone. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. and you can work out the booking of how it's going to go. You need something unique.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it needs to be believable. Just a, a bit more development, I think. Um, you know, six months down the road, this could be a a proper sort of main event women's match. But uh, I don't think she's. It's not her fault. The talent's there, but I think the company just needs to. If they're going to put her in these situations, they need to uh, build her up and give her a bit more development time to make fans actually care about what she's doing.
1: Okay, so here's a question for you then. So a few years ago, they did WWE Evolution. The women's only pay-per-view, you know, it was a Trish Trish Stratus wanting to do the event with the Bella Twins. They ran it. It was a one-off, never happened again. You look at the female talent that's in WWE now with just the one title. No, you know, do you now pull the trigger and say, we're going to do a third show that's going to be purely women?
2: The problem you've got there is if you're going to do it, you need to throw everything at the wall, which would mean plucking people like um, your Rhea Ripley's off of Smackdown and Raw and putting them on this show. And the main product would suffer because of it. I don't, again, I think, and again, it's not any fault of the characters themselves or the performers themselves. I don't think still at this point, there is enough development in, you know, several layers of characters to warrant a whole, not division, but a whole show dedicated to it. It would take, it would take a lot. You'd almost be looking at it, you know, cause yeah, you know, we'll get to the women's war games match, uh, yeah. in a minute, but there are plenty of names there that would, um, you know, that would, would, you know, fit in really well. Uh, you'd probably bring back a couple of legends like your Trish and your Lita and, and those sorts of people to uh, headline it. But again, who else do you throw in it to make a whole brand as it were, mm with the women there's there's people like your Starks and um, you know a load of the other NXT girls who are great but just aren't quite there yet and um, great performers but you don't know their story you don't know who they are you don't know why you should care about them you know all you're going to care about is oh it's another Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair match yay let's watch that again
1: and I suppose building that one step further if you're thinking about 2024 with NXT going to the CW network you know, they're gonna want all this star power on there to really kind of get those eyes. I mean, you've you've got talent on NXT like Roxy, you know, Roxanne Perez, yeah. Tiffany Stratton, Thea Hale, former members of Toxic Attraction that could easily go into the main roster. Yeah. But at the moment, the women's division on WWE is similar to AEW. There's women all over the place. Yeah. But not enough T V time for them. You know, they just brought Nia Jax back.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Apex. I mean, what you need to do <laughs> is almost cut, or certainly on the main roster, on the Raw and SmackDown side of things, almost cut the women on there by half, just so you can spend more time on each of those women yeah. and have them taken seriously, yeah. rather than just uh, guess who shall rear it go against this week. Right, NXT person 742, sling them in. What's her name? Don't really care. She can, you know, she's good. She can have a match. Um, you need to you know f- there, there need to be stakes and this is something I Eric Bischoff says all the time why do we care why why would be, we be interested in thinking that Rhea Ripley might lose her title against this person mm. why would we be interested in this person being in a storyline with uh, you know Shotzi Blackheart for example you know what's the th- there's got to be some kind of story there and there's got to be some buy in from the fans and you can only get that if there is some sort of story and, and you can connect with that character
1: yeah I totally agree Will rumble, women's or a rumble? Yeah. Who do you think will win it? I'm not asking you to keep you know keep the prediction now. You know, make a guess, an off the cuff remark. Who do you think would win and be a viable challenger to Rhea Ripley?
2: That's so difficult. But again, because things, if if it was a couple of years ago and it was just solely Vince McMahon run um you know you could probably clearly work out the pathway of the women's <laughs> championship all the way up to wrestlemania yeah in the triple h era certainly when it comes to the women who you know we know he's he really cares about and he really wants to to make work um it could be i, I don't think we're going to go the obvious route i don't think it's going to be a becky i don't think it's going to be a charlotte i don't think it's going to be an Asuka. i think it's it will be someone potentially like a tiffany stratton that can come up and um you know almost win it out of nowhere and then you've got a, a sort of cinderella story building in the run-up to wrestlemania and and you know even though she's you know a quite, quite bad guy it's going to have um you know the people liking the bad guy similar to a sort of stone cold you know yeah. you you like the fact that she's a bit of a twat and you know she's horrible to everyone <laughs> and uh you know and you're just gonna right okay we'll be a to to Rhea Ripley then come on let's see you try and get this belt and it would be a fun storyline leading up there and I I wouldn't put that past Triple H
1: okay so you let's do a what if scenario right go on you can sign one female talent that could be anyone who's been released anyone who's on the AEW Impact roster NWA roster to come back or to return or debut and win the Royal Rumble who would you pick
2: oh wow (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is a big
1: one and just to say we don't prep any of this so this is no, a off the fly conversation
2: do you know that's really difficult i mean i i would have said um i've completely forgotten her name now I've just come over from aw uh, jay cargill yeah but again there's just not enough time um i think they've realized or there have been reports that she's uh you know, Triple H brought her in, and and uh, she's ready to go main event. She'll go against Rhea; it'll be amazing. But she's not quite there yet with her in ring work, so that they're they're having to delay a little bit. Um, do you know what, Paige? Oh wow! Okay that could be good you know the one thing i was so, i think i talked about this last time the one thing i was so upset about with with all in and uh the fact she had that big we will rock you entrance with the with her family there the audience were going mental but she was still a heel
0: yeah
2: um and she was still a heel when she went back to the states uh for a little bit before you know it, it was i i felt they could they did her a bit of a disservice there yeah, they, they could have you know, done a bit of a face turn beforehand, and um, then the crowd would have been behind her even more. It would have been a great feel-good moment. Um, get that sort of momentum behind someone like a, like, like a Page or Saraya uh, against Rhea Ripley. Again, they're both they've both got that kind of um, not gothic, but the sort of leather and studs and that kind of look. Um, Soraya can do the, You know, this was my look before it was yours. You know, that, that sort of angle you could I reckon could uh, easily work, and I think people respect Soraya enough. For her to go in there against Rhea Ripley and for her to be taken seriously.
1: The, the funny thing is, and the more you think about All In now, and you think about AEW and where creative's gone, it actually felt like that match was more of a vehicle for Tony Storm. Yes, Soraya absolutely. won the title, but it was a Tony. That, that was the kickoff of the whole Timeless character. Yeah, yeah, which is phenomenal, brilliant, absolutely. <laughs> by the way got to say that uh moving on from the women's match let's move to the women's match it's the war games women's four on four it was team Bianca Belair which was Becky Lynch Charlotte Shotzi Blackheart and Bianca Belair facing off against Damage Control Bailey Eosky Oscar, and Kerry Sane um it was team Bianca Belair who won it this opened up the pay-per-view yeah is this what you wanted from a women's war game match
2: I think so I mean again in this day and age of political correctness and, and equality, especially when it comes to portraying things on TV, you've got to be very careful. There are people who are going to have the whole, you know, women should be women, and yeah. you, you know they shouldn't be involved in all the blood and guts. But then there are people on the flip side of that who are going to be, well, you know, the men are going to smashing each other's heads against the. Um, whatever and, and, and bleeding all over the place, why can't we have that in, in the women's match and that shouldn't be a problem. I think it's very, very, I think WWF feeling their way around these women's uh, war games matches very, very carefully to see sort of how far they can step over the mark and it still be acceptable um, because you've, on one hand, you've got a fancy saying, this is rubbish, it's not as violent as the, the the men's war games match, and on the other side, you're one step away from someone like uh, CNN picking up on the story, oh my God, these women are having their heads busted open all over the place, and but because, you know, it's not real, it's sports entertainment, but oh my God, it's the most sickening brutal sport <laughs> in, in on TV today, why are we letting our children watch this? You, you know, it's been like that for years, and it... It's it's such a tight rate, It really is. I feel sorry for WWE with this stuff, but they're doing the best they can, I think, with it at the
1: moment. I think all companies are doing the best they can with it at the moment because it's all over the place. You know, like you're saying, and w- what made me chuckle was there was you go in political correctness. And I wanted to say in hypersensitivity. Yes. Which was our old in our old uh, disclaimer <laughs> at the beginning. Might have to dig <laughs> that out for the audio. There you go. Um, it was what it was, wasn't it? I mean, it yeah. was a good way of kicking off the pay-per-view they're teasing something with damage control yes now yes bailey did a promo um backstage for wwe digital where she basically went unbroken i don't know what to do i don't know where to go now
2: mm.
1: could we be seeing the kicking out of bailey to form a you know an oriental chinese version of damage control because you've got carrie saying ask her in Sky."
2: That would make sense. I mean, you've, you want to be very careful again, with again, looking at the quality and the, the the sensitivities, you don't want to have a generic Chinese or, or, you know, Asian contingent all in one, you know, and treat them like Kai and Tai yeah. have the Chinese music playing when they come out and, you know, choppy, choppy and all that kind of thing. But it, yeah, it can <laughs> get very stiff, very st- yeah, stereotypical very um. quickly, if you're not very careful with it. And again, if Bailey's going to turn face, how does that work? Does she go back to the neon colours and the the, no. the the wavy inflatables or is she just a face version of the character she is now? It, um, you know, I think it's the, the fact that it's happening now is an indication that we might see some sort of blow off or an explosion at the Royal Rumble. Mm. Um, you could have a, you know two or three of them in the ring trying to get someone else out and there's a miscommunication and something happens there. Uh, but yeah, interesting scene. Yeah, keep a close eye on it.
1: I mean, the interesting thing about the, the Oscar, Kerry, uh, Kerry Sane, and, and EO Sky is they're all formerly from Stardom. Yes. You know, yeah. the Joshi female wrestling in Japan. Somebody else who's in the company who is former Stardom is Blair Davenport.
2: Okay, I hadn't thought about that.
1: So you That's could bring her up and then it could be, a, a you know, the Joshi takeover. We were the best. We are the best. We are the pinnacle of, of women's wrestling.
2: Yeah.
1: Put hey. Bailey. A line maybe back with Charlotte and, and Becky Lynch Yeah, yeah Form a new Four Horsewoman And then you've got Four Horsewoman Versus this new Damage Control
2: It's a shame they never did that The Four Horsewomen It oh, was yeah. only sort of teased very loosely And there, there was at one point They were going to do the Four Horsewomen of uh, WWE MMA. Against the Four Horsewomen of yeah, MMA um, Which, you know, with, with Ronda now popping up in ROH Is clearly not going to happen anytime soon no. So, different. it's going to
1: be interesting. Let's see what happens this Friday night on SmackDown. But one very interesting thing on the press conference was Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair out together, very forced. I don't know what you thought about it. It seemed very forced. And I didn't realize how much work Charlotte Flair has actually had. She looks totally different.
2: Yeah, she doesn't look the same person she was. Even no. like two or three years ago. No. Um, when she was you know at WrestleMania doing the the the, the some yeah, the, the flips off the top rope to the floor and all that, very different person now. Yeah. Um yeah, interesting. But yeah, it's like I mean, she had time off. I, I don't remember having time off.
1: She had most of this year off, I think.
2: Did she? I mean that's me. I mean, I've been, obviously. Yeah, uh, you've been out of, of it for, mo- for yeah, most of this of year. Going on, but, um, I think it's yeah. fair enough. So that that's on me. Uh, but yeah, okay. So she's, yeah, clearly had a lot of work done. But she doesn't look like Ric Flair anymore, which is, I guess, a good thing.
1: I kind of, Yeah, she doesn't look like a 70-year-old man. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a benefit for Charlotte. <laughs> Move us on to the main event. This is it. Men's War Games, five on five. Team Cody, which was Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins. Main event, Jey Uso, Sami Zayn. And the Viper, Randy Orton facing off against the Judgment Day, uh, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio. Uh, sorry, was it Dominic Mysterio or was it J D? It was J D McDonough. Uh, J D McDonough. Yeah. Um, Andrew McIntyre with Rhea Ripley uh, at ringside. It was Team Cody Rhodes going over. Two things for me in this match. One, how good was it to see Randy Orton back in the ring? And by God, how jacked does this guy look now?
2: He looks absolutely huge. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure how long he will stay like that. It's obvious he's been training for a, a long time, waiting for the, the go from WWE and uh, to say he's uh, been booked back on a pay per view. But as we, as we know before, he's had he is very injury prone. Um, there was that time. Do you remember he was he used to do that thing where he'd flip over and he'd start punching the yeah. mat, and I think he dislocated his shoulder just by punching the mat. Um. <laughs> you know, he's got to be very careful with his body, certainly at his age. I mean, that was several years ago. Um, The interesting, I mean, he looked great. He looked like he hasn't missed a step. Uh, The the sort of quick snap power slams that he does, they looked, you know, nice and crisp. Um, The the, the interesting thing for me is uh, there's some footage of when he left the ring. Uh, after other things, which we'll get on to in a minute. Mm. Um, And uh, he indicated, he sort of did that, indicating he wanted another 10 years uh, on his contract. Oh Uh, He he would be going for another 10 years, which again, I I, I like Randy Orton uh, as a character. I think he's done amazingly well to last this long and still be in the position that he is. But do you think he can hold up for another 10
1: years? I don't think he can hold up another 10 months, if I'm being honest with you. I think... (laughs) You know, it was very clever booking the way they did Randy Orton. They held him off for a lot of the match. Yeah, brought him back in that big spot with the RKO off the top of the cage. Yeah, yeah. Which, if you look very closely, and you want to be very nitpicking, he never actually connected with um, <laughs> with JD McDonough. Just saying, but it is what it is, right? It, to hearing the music, hearing Randy Orton come out, seeing him do it, seeing him do the snap, the snap power slams, was worth it. For me, though, it's kind of like a bit like what you were saying. When is enough? Right. Do you need to go? You've had he's had a Hall of Fame career. There is absolutely no doubt about that Hall of Fame career. And who would have thought back in the day of evolution? Would we be saying Randy Orton was a was a Hall of Famer? You know,
2: I suppose then again, it was supposed to be evolution. Uh, You know, Ric Flair was supposed to be the past Triple H was the present. Randy Orton was supposed to be the future at that point. But I mean, that was 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, You know, it doesn't really seem that long ago, but yeah, uh, 20 years ago that was. And then, of course, you had Batista in there as the muscle uh, uh, as well. Uh, But he really was probably the. I guess the weakest member of evolution there, yes. he was doing the, the legend killer trying to take on uh, or take out all of the, uh the, the big names, uh, the historical names in WWE Foley, uh, Hulk Hogan, you know, many others. Uh, and that was, that was a really great character, but he has evolved ironically, uh, you know, into the Viper character and, Again, at one point he was almost resembling a snake. This sort of his mannerisms and movements in the, mm. in the ring. But now he, regardless of what they call him, he is Randy Orton. He's um, a great performer and you can throw him in there with anyone.
1: He's a hall of famer, Randy Orton. Oh, and I think, I think we're looking at a feud now. I think this feud is building they were playing it very nicely on commentary about the passing of the torch between Randy Orton and Cody Rhodes, the legacy you know, if you think about this, I think we're going in, I don't think Cody Rhodes is going for the world title at WrestleMania. I think we're getting Randy Orton versus Cody Rhodes.
2: Yeah. And and again, it could be something else. They set up at the Royal Rumble could uh, with uh, Randy turning. Or do we even see? No, Cody's too popular at the moment. I don't know. They Cody won't through. turn Cody. Yeah, um, it will be a, a quick RKO out of nowhere mm. um, to coin a phrase um, on uh, Cody Rhodes. Check him out.
1: If it's if it's not at WrestleMania, that's your SummerSlam main event.
2: Yeah, that'd be good.
1: Cody That'll will win good. the world title or whatever title he's going to win at Mania, and then he will defend it against Randy Orton at SummerSlam.
2: Yeah.
1: That yeah. that's your build up, I think. That would be good. It has to be. That has to be the way they're going. They're lining the the they're lining the dominoes up too nicely.
2: Yeah.
1: Not to do that. Okay. Right, two things. Number one. Drew McIntyre left the ring through a tantrum, went to the back through his stuff.
2: Yeah. Um, it depends on who you believe. I mean, there was uh, a bit of footage with the signal from the cameraman sort of doing that yeah. to McIntyre, getting him to go. Was there a legit injury there and he was trying to get him out of the place? Did they have a very planned story that um, Drew was supposed to appear very angry and storm off and, that you know backstage they just continued with that who knows if there was a wwe camera there excuse me just uh you know keeping an eye on drew and we'll see that footage of him storming out the uh the arena in a hoodie and just grabbed his bag and and went uh maybe it's all storyline based that's what i'm leaning towards at the moment um obviously you know the the uh, the end of the pay-per-view we did we have discovered recently excuse me i'm going to get rid of this in a minute um that uh you know that the people in the main event did know what was going to happen mm. um however I, I i think if there was any uh, upset from any of the people who are in the ring it would probably be not necessarily against the person who did return but the fact that they weren't kept completely in the loop about what was going on beforehand that would be what i would uh that's how i would feel about it
1: okay let's break it down so the match finishes Cody Rhodes with the crossroads gets the pin on Damian Priest, which I thought was clever pinning. Yeah, you pin, you pin, send your money in the bank. Yeah, that was clever. I like that. Didn't and it didn't really hurt Damian Priest either.
0: True,
1: but it made more sense for that than Finn Balor or Dominic Mysterio or, or anybody else. All of a sudden, the music hits. Best in the world. Yep. CM Punk walks out. There have been rumours about it. Let's not lie. There have been rumours about CM Punk coming to the WWE. According to the Triple H in the press conference, it was done really quick within the space of a week. Yeah. CM Punk in the WWE, good thing or bad thing?
2: So Triple H has said that he is, um, you know, if the fans want it, that's what we'll do. Uh, The question is, do the fans actually know what they want? It's great to see CM Punk back. It was great to hear the pop. What do they actually do with him now? You know, he's as a character, as a as an entity, as a person, um, in AEW or WWE. Great, he, he he gets people to to you know change the channel. He, he's um, you know he definitely gets uh, gets views, but in the ring, uh, I'll be honest, I don't really think we've seen a, we didn't see an outstanding uh, CM Punk match in AEW. That was obviously in AEW. What are we going to do? You know, who are you going to stick him in there with? Um, I mean, the rumor already is is Seth Rollins, um, thanks to the sort of reaction from Seth uh, at the end of um, Survivor Series. But uh, again, that the character work and the build just because of the two characters will be amazing. What will the match be? Uh, And uh, you know, how long will, will it also be before CM Punk says the wrong thing and you know, backstage ends up in a bit of a
0: Uh, Well,
1: news coming out already is that an allegation has been made against CM Punk by journalist Ryan Satin from a few years ago when he was on the Fox show uh, that they did, which I can't remember what the name of it, uh, WWE Backstage. backstage, yeah. So there's an allegation already coming out. I've got two problems with this. And now I'm in the minority, right? Because Sam, uh, I was talking to Sam about it on, on our conversation on WhatsApp. He's very much positive about CM Punk coming back home. Right. Brilliant. Yeah. Best thing in the world. No pun intended. (laughs) For me, I look at it and go, it's going to be a matter of time before he gets a world title and he doesn't deserve it. The company is not the same as what it was eight, nine years ago when he walked out of WWE. He's then spent that last nine years trying to bury WWE. Yeah. But more importantly, CM Punk is tarnished, and he's tarnished because of AEW. True. Two years, two backstage events that led to him getting fired.
2: Yeah, yeah. But then again, you know, WWE is just infinitely bigger than AEW. Uh, You know, they they have uh, shareholders, they have investors, they have board of directors. Would they have taken the risk on CM Punk uh, being on their TV show um and and not even necessarily the tv show but just being associated with the wwe brand if they weren't sure he was a hundred percent sure that he was going to be okay and and not cause any damage to the brand that's the interesting thing if it did happen over the space of a week you know it's quite a big gamble um for this guy who's you you know uh, sort of almost made the company implode like six months earlier or less than six months earlier even um you know, and you're throwing him out there on you know a big pay per view to say he's back. It's it's an interesting move.
1: You know, what? it's going to be very interesting, and I haven't listened to it yet, and I don't know if they reference it at all. 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. Yeah, because yeah. Bischoff is is highly critical of CM Punk in All Elite. Um, well, just highly critical of CM Punk. So it's going to be interesting to see what he says because I'm I'm intrigued to know will his position change because it's WWE. And you know Ooh, he's got this thing about AEW and Tony Khan, right? So yeah, yeah. Will this position change? Because if it does, as much as I love Eric Bischoff, you got to think you're screaming hypocrite.
2: Yeah, true, true, very true. Um, the the other thing that I th- I find quite interesting, or was thinking about, you know, how they could physically use him, um, other than the, uh, Seth Rollins storyline. I mean, Seth is obviously world heavyweight champion. Um, what about you take a, a leaf out of 1991's uh playbook. Uh obviously CM Punk left AEW claiming to be the oh, real no. world champion. Could you imagine in this day and age, CM Punk comes out with the AEW World Championship with the X across and his angle to get into Seth Rollins is you're not the real world heavyweight champion. I'm the real world heavyweight champion.
1: Can you imagine the lawyers would be on that so fast?
2: Exactly. But could they even if they don't um have the belt there, he could claim that.
1: Oh yeah. And I expect he would, but what I want to know is tonight on raw. And by the time this is released, I'm most likely have already aired tonight on raw. We know he's going to be there. We know he's going to cut a promo. Is he going to come out and say in blah, 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 blah. Of this year, I left the WWE Da da. da, da, da I'm now back and this is where professional wrestling start, you know, the same <laughs> promo that he did on rampage. Yeah. A few years ago, is he even going to reference his tenure with the other company?
2: Uh, officially, I don't think he will. I reckon there'll be a, a few veiled statements that only the people who sort of know um, what he means are <laughs> going to pick up on. I think he, he's going to be very careful with it. Uh, I don't think they'll want him referencing AEW by name, but yeah, he'll he'll say, you know, I've I've uh, done some stuff in the minor leagues, or you know, it'll be something like that uh, to discredit AEW. And and uh, I've and worked in a,
1: I've worked in a jungle full of boys. that would be good that would be good are you looking forward to it long term though I mean you've been a wrestling fan for as long as I can remember I think we both collectively have got too much history in terms (laughs) of pro wrestling as a wrestling fan forget what we do forget the podcast, forget our history doing this forget what we've done backstage as a wrestling fan are you looking forward to CM Punk being back in WWE, yes or no
2: if it goes to the plan and cm punk doesn't you know screw it up for himself yes absolutely uh, the character of cm punk is entertaining bottom line even if he's not you know the, the best in the ring anymore he you know the promos and just his presence there uh, is interesting and it gets people to watch tv as long as cm punk doesn't trip himself up by doing anything stupid um, I think it could be a, a good run for a year or two. And then he's, you know, Hall of Fame induction. See you later. Job done.
1: They're already selling merchandise. Have you seen it?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I found was interesting is, is everything was done so quickly. He still came out to his old uh, Tron from, you know, because c- I'd have thought they'd have given it things and they probably will have done by tonight's Raw, uh, just sort of updated his Titantron a little bit, made it, you know, made some tweaks to it, but it was exactly the same time when he left to. Uh, But again, that was uh, keeping the circle uh, very tight of the people who uh, knew about this, obviously production and, uh, you know, they just had to dig out his old video from what, 2013, 2014 Um, and uh, hope for the best for that.
1: And it's funny, if you go on the WWE Network now, the number one recommended video to watch is the best in the world documentary. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, come on. AJ Lee, you've got to think is coming back in soon.
2: I mean, that would be an interesting character. Have her come in as his manager. And then she can also do some stuff in the women's division as well.
1: That would be intriguing because he's never really had a manager apart from Serena Deeb and the Street exactly. Edge Society. So that would be, we'll see it's what's going to happen yeah. tonight on Monday Night Raw and going forward. Apparently, they're not assigning him to a brand. He's going to be a free agent.
2: Sounds good. I mean, again, it just creates more intrigue, doesn't it?
1: God, if he ends up on Tuesday nights on the NXT, that would be, <laughs> uh... There we go. All right. That was Survivor Series. If you have to rate Survivor Series League out of 10, what what would you give the overall pay-per-view? Uh,
2: overall, I would give it a six.
1: If it did the
2: CM Punk? Probably less than that. I mean, uh, four or five. It was okay. It was what it was. I don't think there were any massive surprises. Uh, without the Punk thing, it was all... The only reason really anyone watched it was, you know, War Games is War Games, but they were watching it see Randy Orton come back um yeah. that was the selling point of the pay-per-view i don't think there was anything else really that was uh hugely monumental or, or even really promised as part of the promotion
1: and like you said if you look at the card you could easily work out the booking of who was going to go over yeah quite Agreed. simply all right well we're going to keep on with the survivor series coverage but this time we're going to go back in time to look back at the top 10 survivor series matches in history uh yeah. now These Survivor Series matches, guys, have been chosen by me. It's going to be very interesting to see what Lee thinks because he only saw the top 10 list (laughs) half an hour before we went live. That's correct. So let's kick it off. Number 10 in the Survivor Series top 10 list goes back to 1995, and it was the wild card match, which features Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, the British Bulldog, and Psycho Sid facing off against Yokozuna, Owen Hart, Razor Ramon, and Dean Douglas. Now, this one was the first time they'd ever done it. It was the last time they'd ever did it. And it pitted friends versus foes, friends with enemies and enemies with friends. What did you make of this one?
2: Again, I think it was it was adding an element into it that didn't really need to be added. Uh, the, the spectacle itself is your four-man team versus your four-man team. But then they they did this, you know, the random draw sort of thing to, as, as to you know who was going to be on each team which sort of to, to me it, it made like well why are these guys fighting each other then if they're not you haven't got traditionally your survivor series certainly back late 80s early 90s you had more often than not it was a main guy against another main guy yeah uh, intercontinental level person against his nemesis in the intercontinental division then two tag teams who were fighting each other Um, And the the intrigue about that is you get to see maybe Bret Hart from the Hart Foundation against, uh, I don't know, Mr. Perfect, who was a singles guy in the Intercontinental ranks at the time. And and that was the intrigue of it for me. But in in this one, I see what they were trying to do. They were just trying to spice it up a little bit more, make it a bit more interesting. But uh, I don't know. It didn't really uh, do it for me.
1: Survivor Series 1995 was one of those weird... Times really because it was this new generation, but is it going to appear again in the list? Um, I will say there has been a Survivor Series match that I've omitted from the list that quite rightly should be in it. And the reason that I've taken it out is because we talked about it in depth the last time you were on, and that was uh, the Hart family against Shawn Michaels and his knights. Yes, it should be in there, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: But I put it as number 11,
2: okay,
0: yes, we already
1: talked talked about it, so it was like, there we go, number nine. Oh, two yes, years, two weeks ago. Yeah, I did do a show last week. my bad. Um, last last, I can't even get my words out now. Number nine on the list. We're going to go to 1990. Ted DiBiase, Greg Valentine, the Honky Tonk Man, Rhythm and Blues, and the debut of the Undertaker, facing off against the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, uh, Coco Beware, the Hitman Bret Hart, and Jim Ninehart, the Hart Foundation. This one, or in this card, any winners? Would go through to the ultimate survivor match in the main event. Now yeah. this one, I think the entire team went through. Uh let me look, let me look. No, it
2: wasn't. It was just Million Dollar Man in this one. That it went was through. just
1: you're right, just Ted DiBiase uh, yeah. who went through in this one. Surprising, I thought they would have put the Undertaker over, looking back on it now.
2: The the thing is, interestingly, what they did, they they made him look really dominant. He actually got counted out because I think it was Dusty Rhodes was beating up brother love outside the ring. uh, And the Undertaker just exited the ring to try and help. And then he got counted out because at the time, you know, they didn't really know what he was. He was a zombie dead man. He didn't really care about winning the match. He just cared about destroying people. And he saw someone attacking brother love. So he marched off out the ring. Um, And then it was just him and Dusty Rhodes beating each other up all the way uh, up the uh, entranceway. So he got counted out. So he didn't get pinned or anything. And it just kind of enforced the fact he was just this unstoppable killing machine. No one pinned him, but he's not in the match anymore.
1: It was weird when seeing the Undertaker coming out with Brother Love, the Mm. light of love against the darkness (laughs) of death. But yeah.
2: It It was a good one. And interestingly, bit of trivia on this one, I... Uh, you know for weeks they were you know mystery partner who's it going to be uh, the pay-per-views in the UK were on Sky Movies back then yeah they were um, I didn't have Sky Movies uh, but what you could do is you could put it on the Sky Movies channel <laughs> you could hear the audio um, but all you see was this like scrambled signal on your screen so I was listening to the Survivor series essentially and Undertaker comes out and uh, all you can hear is Roddy Piper again oh my god who is that you know look at the size of him he's, he's enormous and you know six nine six ten. He's shooting. like, who is it? And I was so frustrated because I couldn't physically see the screen. All I was doing was listening. And I, I you know, I'd watched a bit of WCW. We had a little bit uh, of WCW on TV around about that time. And uh, but it didn't link the fact that it was uh, Mean Mark Callis from WCW uh, back uh, well, until I uh, finally got a, an issue of WWE Magazine. I think, or uh, maybe the next week's Superstars on Sky One. But yeah. Uh, super frustrated because didn't know who it was. Oh,
1: I remember those days listening listening back to the audio stream. Oh, yeah, only oh, yeah, a <laughs> uh, yeah, WCW worldwide that's on a Saturday it. afternoon on ITV. Yeah, yeah, that's what we those had were the days <laughs> Bef- just before Baywatch.
2: <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, what half three, four o'clock three. Like that. I think,
1: I think, I don't know what it was if what it was like, I can't remember exactly, but I know at one point it used to be the A team, mm. then it would be the full guy. Yeah. Then WCW Worldwide, Baywatch, and then Gladiators. That was like <laughs> uh, the ultimate Saturday afternoon, Saturday early evening. Well, right, we're getting Gladiators back. We are. We're Bradley Walsh. <laughs> yes. And unbelievable. Arnie. <laughs> but then uh, you flipped it over to BBC One <clears> straight <throat> after Gladiators. It was Noel's house party.
2: Yes. Oh, can't go wrong with Noel's house party. That's that's lost all
1: of my viewers <laughs> now. Uh Survivor Series it was number nine. Number eight on the list. We're going back to the original Survivor Series, the main event. Hulk Hogan, Bam Bam Bigelow, Don Morocco, Paul Orndorff, and Ken Patera facing off against Andre the Giant, the one-man gang, King Kong Bundy, the natural Butch Reed, and ravishing Rick Rude. And it goes back to this original format that you were talking about, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Hogan and Andre, the two team captains coming off that match at WrestleMania 3 the build-up leading into 1988 for the world title at Saturday night's main event, leading into WrestleMania as well. For a main event of Survivor Series, this had everything he wanted.
2: It did. I mean, there were, you know, so many monsters on the opposing team. I mean, you've got people like Don Moraco Paul Orndorff, Ken Patera, who are, you know, muscular guys, but nowhere near the size of your King Kong Bundy, one man gang, Andre the Giant, um, you know, again it's it's hulk hogan with a team of of you know really huge guys mm. yeah. You know, against him it was uh you know pitting the odds against hulk hogan how's he possibly going to get through it um it's your classic late 80s wwf uh, hogan led uh wrestling match uh, just in the form of survivor series it, it kind of set the stage for what survivor series should be
1: of course bam bam bigelow accompanied by oliver humperdinck
2: yeah yeah doing the Sorry. cartwheels ah <laughs> oh. Old school Bam Bam Bigelow.
1: If you haven't seen it, (laughs) check out um, Dark Side of the Ring when they did the Bam Bam Bigelow episode. I mean, it was fantastic to watch more about Scott Levy. Uh, Next up, number seven in the list. We're going to go to Survivor Series 2014. John Cena, The Big Show. The Man Who Will Not Retire, Ryback. Dolph Ziggler, Eric Rowan, facing off against Seth Rollins, Kane, Rusev, Luke Harper and Mark Henry. Now this one might seem a bit of a weird choice. It was a weird, uncanny list of people. But you had the Wyatt family facing off against each other. You had Seth Rollins and John Cena facing off against each other. You had the Big Show and Rusev facing off. And of course, you had Mark Henry, who at that point was on fire back in 2014. You know, who would have thought a summer jacket would have made him so over with the crowd? (laughs) Um, Yeah,
2: I mean, it's. For for the people you had around at the time, I think this is probably the best they could have done with a Survivor Series match. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, this was back to five on five teams rather than just the traditional four on four. Um, again, kind of led by the John Cena versus Seth Rollins feud, and um, yeah, again, the Wyatt family element in there as well. You've got Dolph Ziggler in there, which is, um, you know, always going to make things good. Uh, the, the, the kind of uh star power of of Big Show and Kane Rusev certainly on the up at that point Mark Henry yeah some good people in there but again it it kind of felt like that the face team didn't really have anything in common the heel team didn't have anything in common um and it it just felt like you know tipping out a toy box and seeing what toys you've got left on the floor as I'll play with these then um yeah it's all a bit odd but, um, you know, it worked, you know, seeing, having seen her and Rollins captain their own uh, individual teams was good.
1: I think it's got a four out of five in Meltzer ratings. Yeah. For the Survivor Series. Uh, number six, next up goes back to Survivor Series of 2016. Now, this one is interesting and I'll tell you the reason why in a second. It was Shane McMahon, Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose, of course, as we know, as John Moxley. Facing off against Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Braun Strowman. Now, if I've got my dates right, which I think I have, this was the first pay-per-view after the WWE draft of 2016, where Shay McMahon was the general manager of SmackDown and brought Daniel Bryan in as the commissioner, and Stephanie McMahon was the general manager of Raw and brought in Mick Foley as the commissioner of Monday night raw right. and you had this whole dynamic of not only show versus show but family member versus family member and Daniel Bryan was doing this whole moody thing you know forced to retire he wanted to make sure that he got smacked down to be the number one show but they were calling him the b plus player yes yeah, right continuously. Yeah. um the go-home show for Monday Night Raw for this one was literally SmackDown invading Raw. And the last thing you saw was AJ Styles doing a a flip over the top rope to take out the entire Raw team at ringside. I mean, it was one of the best go-homes for a Survivor Series in, in recent memory. And the match didn't disappoint. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, it, just looking at the people that are in the in the ring now, or, or sorry, in, in that team that are, are, are still going now, just looking at them together is, is really odd, especially the team of Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, <laughs> of course, is AEW, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, who's just on another level to everyone else, and Braun Strowman, and then Shane McMahon, Bray Wyatt, rest in peace, obviously, Randy Orton, yep. who's just come back, AJ Styles, who's you know, uh, getting over an injury. And John Moxley, essentially, who's high up AEW, it seems a really, uh, looking at it, um, you know, eight years later, seven years, eight years later, uh, it is very, very odd um, with the landscape being totally different. But again, you cannot discount the star power in that one.
1: No. And Jericho had the list.
2: Yes, he did. Yeah, it was that version.
1: (laughs) I think this was was Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho doing the whole Best Friends Forever gimmick, wasn't it, that led to the breakup. It was tremendous, but only six of them are still in the WWE. Yes. Wow. If you think about it.
2: Yeah. Wow. Phenomenal.
1: Number five on the list, Survivor Series, Survivor Series, Survivor (laughs) Series 1995, Marty Jannetty, Hakushi, Barry Horowitz, Horowitz, (laughs) Bob Holly facing off against Skip, Rad Radford, Tom Pritchard, and the 123 Kid so I'm going to get heat for this one for putting it in because in some respects it was God awful, but in other respects it was the legitimacy of what they would call the new generation. You know, yeah. Barry Horowitz was getting a major push right the way from SummerSlam where he beat skip. Yeah. In yeah. his first ever win, you know, on superstars and he beat him again at SummerSlam.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. The- this was, I mean, that is classic Survivor Series lineups and it was classic 1995. Uh just the names there. Uh, I mean if you look at um in ring work, obviously Marty Ginetti's really good, Hakushi as, as well, um, Bob Holly, yeah, maybe uh Skip, obviously um Chris Candido, Rad Radford um was uh, was always good. Of course, that was um oh god, Louis Spacoli. Yes, uh well Tom done. Pritchard, who would go on to be zip in the body donners as well with skip yeah. um and then the one two three kids sean walkman who uh who we know uh developed uh greatly after that to be Pac six uh all that kind of stuff so some really good talent here and, and again but this was you know pick eight wrestlers from the mid card of wwf in 1995 and put them in a match this is this is it
1: it's still enjoyable though i don't oh, know what totally. it is yeah. I, I love watching this. I love watching Survivor Series 95. <laughs> I mean, the pay-per-view is shit, but I love watching it. Maybe it's that skit with Bill Clinton. I don't know, but it's <laughs> it's such a good pay-per-view. Um, number four on the list. We're going to go back to 1988. This was, I think, the first and last time they did the tag teams at ringside.
2: And, and they did at you... 87 as well. 87, that's in right, the, the Eighty-seven, eighty-eight.
1: 88. And then do you remember the old Silver Vision, WWF, Silver Vision thing at the beginning yeah. of the trailer? This was always...
2: Yeah, everyone remembers that.
1: This was always <laughs> featured yeah. In, yeah. in the highlight. It was Demolition, the Brain Busters, the Conquistadors, the Bolsheviks and the Rougeos, facing off against the Powers of Pain, the Heart Foundation, the British Bulldog, the Rockers and the Young Stallions. And when I was putting this together, I went, who the hell is the face and who's the heel? Then you saw the Rockers and the Young Stallions and went, Yeah, okay, I've forgotten about the face turn of uh, <laughs> the multiple face turns of the powers of pain. Um
2: well, this is where where it happened because the powers of pain came in as as faces. Demolition at the time were heels, and during this match, Mr. Fuji stopped managing demolition and moved <laughs> over to manage the powers of pain in the middle of the match, and um that sort of was a double turn for, for the two teams but look at the numbers of it you've got 20 wrestlers there yeah, and and this was one of the things with, you know, when you've got all of the people and they all stood on the apron in each yeah. corner and they basically surrounded the entire ring when people were being thrown off the ropes people had to step on, step aside to let people bounce off the ropes because there were just so many people around, and I think that's potentially one of the reasons they stopped doing this uh, type of match, just there were too many people
1: imagine being sat front row, you know, you're paying premium for a front row ticket and you can see sod all Yeah. because you've got feet in the way. The rules for this one were quite simple. When one member of a tag team was eliminated, that tag team had to leave the match, but it was, I mean, look at the talent, look at like the brain busters, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, mm. Axe and Smash, Jock and Raymond, Brett and Jim Ninehart, Davey and Tom Billington, jumping Jim Brunzel, Nikolai Volkov and Boris Zoukov. Th- these were main event '80s tag teams. Yeah. Some of them carried on having a career for for quite a while afterwards. Maybe not the Young Stallions, but <laughs> you don't you you don't see tag team wrestling like this now. You couldn't do this type of Survivor Series match in today's modern era because we don't have the tag teams
2: no not the not the tag teams that you know this was the era where everyone would wear that you'd wear the same outfit as your partner um you know you have tag teams you know th- there's a few tag teams like that in in this era but uh, a lot of the times it, you know tag teams are just two people that are thrown together they don't wear the same stuff they haven't got special tag team moves yeah. uh, or anything like that. It is a lost art and again one of the things that i'd be surprised if you know give it one or two years that we don't see make a bit of a resurgence in uh wwe under the uh leadership of of triple h because again he's been very vocal that he loves you know the the old school stuff loves the tag teams maybe we see a bit more of that coming back
1: i'd love to see classic tag team wrestling with the top with the tag rope being in the in the corner oh yeah
2: yeah but you know the other thing i'd love to see back go on managers yes
1: yes if yes proper old school managers yeah because they added something totally unique to the presentation
2: yeah yeah, distracting the referee, causing—is it a bit too cartoony for today? That's the—that's the thing. I mean, um, you know, if they're trying to make it appear a bit more realistic and you know, the, the grey rather than the black and white, mm. uh, you know, our managers a bit—are they going to appear really like out of place compared to what we used to?
1: Possibly, but I think if you look at NXT for example, with Von with Von Wagner, yeah, and what Robert Stone's been doing,
0: true, which
1: is such a missed opportunity that he's not back competing in the ring because he was, yeah. Robbie E was brilliant. you know, yeah. Especially down to earth guy as well. But even if you took spud and took spud out of creative and put him in a manager, you know, when he was doing the, the chief of staff for Dixie Carter, he was at ringside. There is, there's an angle for it that would work. I'm not saying True. you talk about slick. I'm not saying you talk about Jimmy Harp with the megaphone or anything like that, but someone like Bobby Heenan, that, was calculating it ringside you could see them you know tripping the leg every now and then being the distraction paul Heyman does it well managers have got a place they just are not utilized yeah as yeah. they should be
2: you're right uh yeah i mean certainly exhibit a is paul Heyman, isn't it but it, just finding people that have got the skill and the persona of paul Heyman to carry off stuff like that is limited yeah yeah
1: uh next up number three on the list we are going to go back to survivor series 1990 the ultimate survivor match uh i've put this one in for you good sir (laughs) it was the winners as we said the winners of their respective matches went into the ultimate survivor match so we had hulk hogan the ultimate warrior and tito santana the faces facing off against Teddy BRC, the model Rick Martel the warlord Hercules and Paul Roma so it was uh 5 on 3 yeah elimination tag team match you love this match what what it, what is it or well, maybe not love it but you love this pay-per-view in the co- and the and and this in particular
2: yeah, I mean, it was the only time they ever did the uh, the ultimate match of survival at the end, and again, as you said, it was anyone who was a survivor uh, from a, a previous match got to go through to this grand finale match of survival, but the problem with it was and the fact they never did it is because, again, they WWE didn't want to admit that there were clear good guys and bad guys, not faces and heels, there wasn't that divide, even though there was, they couldn't say, well, this guy's a goodie, this guy's a baddie, yeah. but okay so hulk hogan won his match which team does he go on if you're thinking about it in real life obviously he goes on to the good guys team um but it, it was cool to see uh, uh certainly in the uh in the, the promo right before the match uh you had a million dollar man and the entire team of the visionaries it was at the time with uh, martel warlord and power and glory uh Million Dollar Man comes forward and he, he says uh, oh yeah, of course, remember back at WrestleMania 6, Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior, they, you know, there's no way they're going to be able to coexist together and they thought that was their key to victory uh, and, and then at that era, would you ever see Tito Santana hanging in the same uh, company with with people like Hogan and Warrior on the same team I mean, he was uh, Intercontinental Champion way back in the day, uh, but you know, he was just a generic mid-carder at that point before the El Matador makeover, which didn't really go much better um, but it, it was just different faces. You know, you, you'd never see Hogan in the ring with Paul Roma. You'd never see Warrior in the in the ring with uh, Hercules, you know, things like that, that, that really made it um, interesting. Uh, and again, of course, Hogan and Warrior uh, were the winners of this one left in the ring at the end. And they Again, people were wondering whether or not they were going to explode at the end and uh, there would be another uh, Hogan versus Warrior match. But they celebrated at the end and it was, you know, perfect end. And of course, Survivor Series 1990, gobbledygooker. How do we miss that? I
1: I mean, if you look in Survivor Series moments, that is up there. Doing the (laughs) dance with Mean Gene Oakland. Poor guy. (laughs) Didn't get paid enough. But it was interesting, though, if you look at this match, the only two people that had any history together, really, was Tito Santana and the model Rick Martel.
2: Yes, absolutely. You, you had
1: a little bit of history between Hogan and and Ted DiBiase, yeah, because of Andre, but it was Rick Martel and Tio Santana, yeah. Always yeah, exactly. to force, get back together again.
2: That, that would have been good, and they never actually had a proper big blow off pay per view match no. against it's each Still other. technically
1: together. <laughs> Both retired, but still technically attacking. <laughs> uh, number two on the list. We have got two left. Survivor Series 2003. It was Booker T, Bubba Ray Dudley. Devon dudley rvd and the heartbreak kid shaw michaels facing off against mark henry scott steiner chris jericho christian and randy orton now if you talk star power mm. wow i mean you have got one two three four five six seven eight nine world champions in this match
2: I mean, yeah. If regardless of anything else, storylines or whatever, you, you you can't, um, you can't dismiss the star power. Uh, I mean, the Dudleys arguably the greatest tag team of all time. RVD, uh, yeah, ECW legend Shawn Michaels, Booker T is of course WCW champion. Mark Henry potentially the odd one out, but at the time he was he was quite a powerhouse and um, was having a bit of a, um, a a run. Steiner, of course, Jericho, Christian, Randy Orton, all huge names. Um, and you know it, it's difficult or it's hard to for, to sort of remember how good the, uh, the the roster was back then. Just so many people that that went on to have massive Hall of Fame careers if they hadn't already by that point.
1: I mean, two thousand three was quite. Honestly one of the best years for WWE in terms of pay-per-view content it's still argued as being the greatest because WrestleMania 19 you had SummerSlam of course yeah the Royal Rumble all of them featuring stellar matches i mean WrestleMania of that year was Rock Austin for the last yeah. time yeah. It, it, yeah michael's jericho it was just classic moments and what's interesting in this one is a lot of these guys were still relatively at the beginning of their WWE careers, like Randy Orton. Yes. Relatively new. Christian hadn't really done much in a singles capacity at this point. Chris Jericho had a great match with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. Was there, was on the cusp, was already a former Undisputed World Champion, but still needed something before it took him further down his career. Absolutely, yeah. And some
2: of the talent there, just sort of coming out of the fallout of the Invasion angle, uh, as well you know people like Booker T and the Dudleys and RVD that you, you know they, they're a bit tarnished by that whole um, invasion angle and the alliance and all that stuff and, and they came out of there um, you know with a bit of a bad taste in their mouths but they're again coming back into prominence and uh, setting their uh, identities up again so yeah this one yeah absolutely deserves to be number two
1: And you can tell that you are a veteran of podcasts in terms of doing the links because you could not have linked (laughs) better to the number one pick, which was Survivor Series 2001, The Big Show, Team WWF, The Big Show, The Undertaker, Kane, Jericho and The Rock facing off against Team Alliance, Shane McMahon, the Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle, Rob Van Dam, Booker T and the WWE champion Steve Austin at that point. We all know the outcome to this one. Team WWF won thanks to Kurt joining sides with with the WWF, but thank God the invasion <laughs> angle was finished at this Absolutely. point.
2: Absolutely, I mean this was this was the match. You know, if someone had said when. Uh you know, WWF.com had the uh, notice that they'd been, they, they purchased WCW and you'd said to a wrestling <laughs> fan on that day, you just wait for Survivor Series 2001. There's going to be the inevitable Team WWF versus Team WCW to end it all. And yeah, guess what? Steve Austin's going to be on the WCW team. So's Kurt Angle. So shame Like <laughs> man. Like it's, it, it was the one that is... Probably the the most prominent from a storyline perspective, but also the one that was such a letdown and it's a shame it was such a letdown because the people in the, the matches or the match, you couldn't really argue against their talent, but they just, it just, it was such a letdown from what we were hoping for
1: i just imagine if they had got Hogan in, if they'd got Sting in, if they'd got Goldberg in, Kevin Nash in, Eric Bischoff as the mouthpiece, yep. actually done it as proper WCW. We'd still be talking about it today in a positive light. Totally. And I could see them doing WWE Nitro at that point. Yeah. That could have been a legit way of, of doing some sort of a brand split.
2: That would have been good. Uh, yeah. Again, I mean, five people from WCW you would have maybe Hall, Nash and Hogan, Goldberg and maybe Flair or DDP or, or someone like that. That would be amazing. That That's what people were hoping for and it, it just never happened. Maybe Sting, uh, you yeah, know, that's what people were expecting. And, you know, there's only really one person in that match that is identifiable with WCW and that's Booker T. And, you know, he was the last WCW champion in the WCW era, mm. but... Again, WCW at that stage was a shadow of its former self. It wasn't like a Sting or a, or a Hogan.
1: The big one that could have slimed was Slap Nuts. Good old Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Because they yeah. teased it on that Raw when they took over. It never came back in. That's,
2: That's right. Awesome. I mean, again, I think he'd, uh, he'd annoyed Vince so much uh, yeah. with uh, with how he left initially. Uh, I don't think that was ever going to happen. But yeah, it would have fit in really nicely.
1: That was only a few months later that TNA
2: yes came to fruition in 2002. Exactly
1: all right that's the top 10 survivor series matches in my opinion do you agree or not i don't think anybody will but let me know on social media at tsc wrestling pod uh i'd be intrigued to know what you think lee i'd be intrigued to know what you think as well so you can uh leave a comment on youtube and and, and let us know i'll do that brilliant <laughs> yeah do you agree with majority of the list or not uh
2: yeah i think so i mean i, I think all the matches that i would have included are there Maybe. Um, Again, looking at the top 10 matches in Survivor Series history, are you just including the Survivor Series style matches? Because yeah. there are other you know, things like I'd I maybe throw in there. And again, I know I've banged on about how I love the Survivor Series matches and I hated it when they took them away. But um, Hogan versus Undertaker in 91, where Undertaker wins the title. Um, things like that, I, I'd have slung in there. But again, if you're just looking at the four on four or the five on five or the 10 on 10, if you're looking at that tag team <laughs> one, um, I think they're all in there, all the, all the, the good ones that I'd have looked at.
1: Awesome. The the other match we could have included if it was going to be Survivor Series matches would have been the Elimination Chamber from 2002.
2: Of course. Yeah, that was which crazy. was brutal. First ever.
1: And last time at Survivor Series, it went to its own pay-per-view. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's talk a bit more current stuff now. So AEW this past week unveiled the Continental Classic. Um, two brackets, Gold League and the Blue Bracket. I don't get why they just call it red and blue, but that could have been Raw and SmackDown. Um, competing over Dynamite, Collision, and Rampage, with the main event set at World's End. This is where it gets interesting because Eddie Kingston's Ring of Honor and New Japan Strong titles are also on the line, and they will be merged to create the aw Continental Classic Championship, which will be defended. In Ring of Honor, AEW, and New <laughs> Japan. Now it's similar to the AAA Trios Championship that they brought in, which has been going on for about 20 years now. The tournament <laughs> is going to be uh twelve men competing in a round robin style, very similar to the G one. What's your thoughts on it?
2: Too complicated. <laughs> in my opinion, I mean, why, why, why do we need this? Yeah. I, I, I know they're they're trying to just you know have anything to to, to make themselves a bit more interesting and, and different, but I, I don't care. I really don't. Um, there are some great people in there that that could be used so much better. I mean, Jay White is is phenomenal. Obviously, Moxley, Swerve Strickland, Jay. Lee. I mean, everyone in there has a place on the card, and I, I it's just. I'd like to be a couple of months down the line to see where this actually goes, to see what the purpose of it is. If they, yeah. you know, someone's just going to win and they get this championship, and yay, he's the champion, great. Like, what's the point of doing this whole thing? Yeah. You know, just you know, have a match to merge the titles or, or something. Just, I, I don't, I don't get it. I've, I've not got any interest in it at all. I hate being against AEW, but I. I couldn't
1: care less, if I'm honest. It it does kind of reek of desperation, a bit of a fanboy thing by by Tony Khan. But currently, um, in the gold league, it's Jay White, John Moxley, and Swerve Strickland have all got three points. Lethal, Briscoe, and Rush haven't got any. On the blue bracket, Brody King and Castagnoli have got three. Um, Andrade, Alidolo, Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston, and Daniel Garcia have, got, have haven't have either got zero or not competed yet. Yeah. I, I know your your feelings towards the Continental, but if you had to pick one of those twelve to win it, who would it be?
2: Uh Jay White. Oh wow. I think, okay. I'll go Jay White. I think he is I, I know they're using him quite a lot <clears throat> at the moment, but I think he is um, certainly, if, if you've got people like Will Ospreay coming in there, I think Jay White is going to be one of those guys that needs to be at the top of the card for years to come. Especially if the rumours of uh, Kenny Omega starting to, yeah. you know, slow down and and maybe take a step back from in ring competition, uh, these people who can have these five star matches like Jay White. I mean, Moxley's great, but you know he's. Certainly, over the last year or two, become just a blood and guts guy, not even the the sort of John Moxley that joined AEW or, or the Dean Ambrose style of thing, uh, style of character. Um, Danielson, maybe, um, would be good. Uh, but yeah, I, I think if, if it was me doing it, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do or it's what they will do. I would go with Jay White.
1: I think it's a good shout. There's a case for a lot of them because if they're going to be competing on New Japan as well, um, you know, you think about Jay White known for new japan that's yeah. where he cut his teeth yeah. brian danielson is is desperate to get to japan to compete in the g1 but in fairness i don't think brian can actually handle the g1 no
0: no want not these now.
1: days moxley is known for for new japan eddie kingston of course won the new japan strong title and it's competing in the g1 climax so there are a number of individuals there i think you've got a good shout with jay white but i've got this feeling it's going to be danielson
2: yeah. Yeah. I, from a storyline perspective, I get that. Um, Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. <clears throat> well, I mean, it'll be interesting to see the result again. It's just going to drag. I mean, it's, it's when they, they did, when they started making King of the ring uh, a TV uh, tournament and, and you'd have the qualifier matches go over weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, It, it just reminds me of that and it's, Oh great. It's another qualifier match. It's another one of these, uh generic matches that doesn't actually mean anything until three weeks down the line and, and we're looking at points um but yeah I'll it'd be nice to see how they handle it from a storyline perspective
1: okay got some breaking news coming in now sean ross sap fightful.com is reporting that tammy sitch has been sentenced to 10.6 years in prison for driving with a suspended license causing death then another seven years for DUI manslaughter to be served following that. She then has eight years of probation. So Tammy Sitch has been sentenced for just under 18 years in prison.
2: Holy crap. I mean, <clears throat> again, wow. we, we, we talked about this before. On one side of it, what a sad story from, from where she was to, to where she is now. But number two, good you know you can't get away with stuff like that
1: um no and and hopefully now this will well it's going to force her to clean herself up so yeah in some ways it's it's payback and, re- and not payback that's the wrong word it's bittersweet for the family of yeah. the of the person who, who died um but at least they can now have a little bit of peace yeah going forward and such a downfall from the Tammy Sitch that we knew back in the day and and who we spoke to as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Again, just sad story, but again, it just goes to you. can't get away with that stuff. Um, You know, it's, it's going to catch up with you. Um, She's, she's had again, such a fall from grace, but also multiple chances to turn herself around and, and, and get fixed and it it just hasn't happened. Um, And and again, um, you know, it's, I'm not saying she deserves it, but, she's got to expect this sort of um, you know result from actions like
1: that totally and now it's going to be intriguing now going back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago will she be removed from the WWE Hall of Fame Um, I'm just trying to have a quick look on the website to see if you know what they're like with this type of thing they're quick to yeah they're quick to act I can't see anything at the moment but then the website to try and use the WWE is (laughs) shocking um we'll look at that in just a second tammy sitch just to reiterate sentence 17.6 years in prison um as of now breaking news coming out from fightful and sean ross Sapp, who is obviously a respected journalist yeah out in the u.s all right moving on uh last bit of the show now we it's been a bit of quick one this week it seems to have gone but we've covered a lot we have in the show we're going to go look back to wrestling history uh going to kick it off with november the 25th 1992 do you know what happened on november the 25th
2: 1992 survivor series how did you yes show plan
1: (laughs) okay sorry i asked for that one (laughs) yes it returned to richfield for the first time in four years uh we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the show we're not going to go into too much detail which saw Brett the Hitman Hart retain uh, the WWE Championship against Shawn Michaels and Randy Savage, Mr. Perfect, victorious by disqualification over Ric Flair and Razor Ramon. Perfect's first match back since SummerSlam 92. 91. 91. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he was at 92, but he didn't compete.
2: Yes, correct. Yeah, 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 because he was was Ric Flair's uh, manager at that point.
1: Uh, there were also some some big firsts uh, on this card because The Undertaker was victorious over Kamala in the first ever coffin match uh, and there were feuds being built up uh, that were concluded such as Tatanka defeating Rick Martel and regaining his Native American eagle feathers and the big boss man defeated Nails in a nightstick on a pole match.
2: Yeah, and people have a go at WCW, honestly.
1: I miss pole matches. (laughs) They should bring pole matches back.
2: That would be good. What would you do now? Like, I don't know what you could stick on a pole.
1: Um, Don't tempt me. (laughs) Not for a family show. No. No, no, Definitely not. (laughs) All right, moving on. November the 27th, 1996, the NWA presented a unique starcade titled The Night of the Skywalkers. The event presented matches on TV that alternated between the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina. The main event went to a double DQ in a match between the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, the Nature Boy Ric Flair, and the U.S. Champion, Nikita Koloff. In the night's only title change, Tully Blanchard won the NWA TV title in a first blood match against Dusty Rhodes. I mean, this is WCW, right?
2: This is classic NWA, uh, yeah. It, it, with Flair as the as, as the world champion, uh, the Horseman still in full effect with uh, Tully Blanchard there. Dusty Road still uh, still in the NWA, yeah. Uh, North Carolina, um, absolutely the uh, the stomping grounds of uh, of NWA, WCW back then. Yeah, this was this was the prime era, in my opinion, of uh, of the NWA.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's never been replicated since, but you know, just thinking about, it. they would have made a big deal about this being simulcast in different locations. And then you think back to 1986 when WrestleMania two was broadcast in three.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Although I think the NWA card may have been better <laughs> Probably. than WrestleMania two. <laughs> uh, also on November the 27th, 1991, not like there's any competition or anything going on. Um, Survivor series took place at the Joe Lewis arena in Detroit, uh, it was the first ever non-elimination match in Survivor Series history, as you've referenced, between The Undertaker and Hulk Hogan, where Taker became the youngest WWF champion up at that point in history. I never realized that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you when you see the character of The Undertaker, you don't think of how old he is, do you? But No. Yeah, I mean, clearly was was quite a young guy at that stage. And, and this... You know, such a they built it up massively with with Undertaker versus Hogan again. You in that era, I remember thinking, well, you know, anyone they throw at Hulk Hogan obviously is going to beat them. You're not going to let Undertaker have the championship. But uh, it was, you know, Ric Flair interfered. Then we had a rematch. Uh, the Tuesday in Texas pay per view. Uh, just after that, again, that was that the was following like, week, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was, it was later on, um, yeah, the following week. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and and because of that, uh, still loads of uh, controversy around the championship. That's when they put the title up for grabs in the ninety two Royal Rumble. The legendary Ric Flair uh, winning the, the the title in the Royal Rumble. So uh, that was the the sort of start of the the ball rolling for that whole thing uh, this uh, this week in nineteen ninety one.
1: It was the most star-studded Royal Rumble of the time.
2: It was, yeah, brilliant.
1: And actually where they changed the concept of the Royal Rumble, wasn't it? Because it was the championship on the line. And then from 1993, that's when the winner would go on to face whoever was the WWF champion at WrestleMania. Exactly. tradition that's carried on
2: since. Exactly. Yeah. They have not changed that, um, which uh, which has been awesome. Again, the first couple of, uh, of Royal Rumbles, they didn't do that. It was just, you know, you win the match. Brilliant. Well done.
1: It may yeah, it always makes you wonder. Looking back on it now, why there was so much build up to the Royal Rumble because it didn't mean anything. No, at it the didn't. time, but at and least... Hulk
2: Hogan won the first, well, not the first two, but ninety and ninety one. Yeah, and he was WWF champion. At, no, he wasn't in ninety one, but anyway, he was. Yeah, certainly in uh, in nineteen ninety, he was the WWF champion. So like, okay, why did he win that? What was the point of it? But you know, you loved it at the time.
1: It was classic, wasn't it? And we were only nippers. <laughs> don't know how old we were uh the last this week in history now goes back to november the 28th of 1985 funnily enough it's called nwa Stargate. Uh this was Starcade the gathering took place funnily enough in two venues uh <laughs> matches alternated between i'm not going to say funnily enough again the omni in atlanta and the greensboro coliseum in greensboro in greensboro the main event was the Rock and Roll Express defeating Ivan and Nikita Koloff in a steel cage to win the NWA World Tag Team titles. In the Omni, we saw arguably the most prominent dusty finish in wrestling history when the American Dream defeated the Nature Boy in an NWA World Heavyweight title match after initially looking like he had won the bout before the decision was changed and Flair walked out as world champion. You talk about NWA, you talk about the American Dream and the Nature Boy, Roe Flair.
2: Absolutely. Those mid-80s Starcades um, were, you know, classics sort of 85, 86, 87, 88. Um, all that era um, were definitive WCWNWA um, events. And the, the roster in that time were absolutely phenomenal. You know, Rock and Roll Express, um, and uh, the russians Ivan and Nikita Koloff and yet people like you know the road warriors were around then the horsemen uh a- again it it wasn't ever taken as it wasn't ever as big as the WWF but um certainly from a, a you know, retrospectively the quality of that product mm. um was certainly you know streets above what WWF was putting out it just didn't have the glitz and the glamour at the time
1: but still you can go back and watch the nwa now on the network and just go Cracking classic wrestling events, exactly. (laughs) And that is it for this week. You can go rest your voice. It's held out for the entire time that we've been doing the show. Just (laughs) thanks ever so much for joining me again for the square circle. Um, you're becoming the regular (laughs) co-host. Why not? I'm not doing anything else. (laughs) Brilliant. You're back next week, uh, if you can. (laughs) Can you come back next week?
2: Uh, i might be able to come back next week i'll we'll talk, check my diary we'll talk about it <laughs> off air
1: uh that's it for this week in the squared circle my big thanks to lee for joining us once again one more step under the breach dear friends to talk survivor series cm punk night of wrestling history and anything else we want to talk about it's been fun really enjoyed it um when are you back Have you when are you back on podcast again have you got uh might try and squeeze one in
2: before the end of the year but uh all eyes are set on 2024 now um for pirate cast um there is certainly a lot to talk about on it so we're just trying to plan it out uh Paul pirates have literally as we were recording just uh, signed a new rider for the 2024 team uh so that's um yeah uh lots of stuff to talk about and people to interview so uh yeah it's uh yeah torn now we might do one before the end of the year but then uh, 2024
1: it is do one do one do one <laughs> That's course. Check out Pyrocast on YouTube. It is a great show. You and Dud is do a, a fantastic Speedway podcast. Even the person who doesn't understand a word about Speedway. <laughs> Thank you very Not much. Again. Right. If you want to get in contact with us on the Squared Circle, let us know how much you hate the decisions that I made for the top ten wrestling uh, <laughs> su- Survivor Series matches. TSC Wrestling Pod on social media using the hashtag TSC Pod, and we'll be back next week. Excellent. But until then, see you at the matches, guys.
0: we